Welcome to 360 Conversations. This is an award-winning podcast featuring powerful conversations with female thought leaders, experts, and founders. We will be digging deep while sharing experience, insights, and tips for busy Generation X women seeking ways to strip back, simplify, live intentionally, and create space for everyday joy. I'm your host, Tammy Thomas, founder of The 360 Brand, and this is episode 38. Today, I am joined by the absolute delight that is Ray Dodd. Ray is a taking up space mentor, and that means she does a mixture of life coaching, business mentoring, general pep talking, and cheerleading. And she does that for women via a beautiful thriving membership group, one-to-one coaching, group coaching. And I think she also has, um, no, oh yes, and she's got a podcast. She's got a wonderful podcast. And I met Ray via Instagram, and I am really glad I made that connection. I had the opportunity to spend quite a bit of time with Ray um, in May. We both attended a weekend retreat and had loads of really powerful conversations with her. And um, also prior to that, Ray invited me to be a panelist at one of her day events that she runs for her community. And may I say very loudly and clearly, Ray Dodd didn't just invite me to be on her panel with three other brilliant women, she paid the four of us to be on her panel. I'm not going to talk about this too much because I don't want to take over the conversation I'm about to have with Ray, but that is very, very important. There are too many events being run by women with the ethos of emancipating women from patriarchal standards, which include devaluing us by not paying us our worth or asking us to do things that come naturally to us for free simply because they come naturally to us, not taking into consideration the work, the study and all the other kind of stuff that goes behind us, um, acquiring the knowledge to dovetail with our wisdom. There are too many of us that are doing this without paying people. We are replicating the patriarchy. If you are organising an event and you are inviting people to speak at your event and you are charging tickets, you you are charging people to attend your event, make sure in your budget you include speaker's fees and price your tickets accordingly. Okay, I'm off my soapbox. Back to Ray. I've had so many different conversations with Ray. There were so many conversations I could have had with her, all of which would have been really powerful, impactful, beautiful, loving, nurturing. But the conversation we had was about intersectionality in the coaching and what may some people may refer to as the spiritual world, because we've both had conversations expressing the fact that we are tired we are tired of the coaching world and the world of spirituality metaphysics whatever you want to call it simply replicating what is going on in the wider world rather than doing what we say we're doing which is creating something different loving nurturing and new we talked about the need for intersectionality across the board in the world of coaching and spirituality. The field 
appears to be dominated by middle class white men and women with sparkly white veneers in caftans and that's just not it and that's not what we need so we had a really open and honest conversation about intersectionality in the coaching industry I hope you enjoy I know you will enjoy and you might get uncomfortable sometimes and that's what's supposed to happen Hello lovely people, welcome back to another episode of 360 Conversations. I am so excited about the conversation I'm about to have with the absolutely lovely rainbow that is Ray Dodd. Um, I am, I am, I was excited when I invited Ray to be on this podcast episode and we have just got back from a weekend with Susie of Ashworth. I can't even just say Susie Ashworth anymore. She is Susie of Ashworth, where we 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 did all the things. Yeah. <laughs> all those things. Oh my goodness. The, the the villa knows what we did. What goes on in Santa de Ribis, whatever, stays there. Um but travels with us in the most wonderful way. You will not know what on earth I'm talking about, and that's fine. But um, yeah, I'm absolutely delighted to introduce Ray Dodd. Hello, Ray. Hello, Tamu. So, Ray, for those people that are listening in that have not come across you before, please could you share a bit about yourself and what you do? So, I am... I always said at the beginning of my podcast that I'm a taking up space, taking up space mentor, which is a made up title. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does explain what I do in that I give women the tools to show up in their lives and businesses as themselves. That's my general, very quick tagline. Mm-hmm. Although um, I did an event recently, <laughs> my own event. And I said at the beginning of my talk, I was like, I said that tagline. I was like, so that sounds really like great, doesn't it? Now, someone put your hand up and tell me who you are. Uh... so it's one of those things where it sounds like a really nice like little snap like snippet of a thing to say but actually it's really complicated to show up as you are Mm -hmm. because there's so many layers of just we're allowed to swear aren't we yeah yeah (laughs) there's just so many layers of bullshit on us from for from all over the place so um yeah what I do is quite varied it is life. I always think of it as life coaching and business mentoring. Um, but that's, yeah, that's what I do. Mm. So, Ray, why taking up space? Because uh, that's my biggest struggle, I would say. Yeah. Um, and I think we often end up talking about the things that are our, our biggest issues. Mm-hmm. Um, I started off doing, when I first started coaching, I was coaching mums, um, it was called motherhood motherhood plus business I think Mm -hmm. is what I called it and the taking up space theme just kept coming up because I my uh the way I sort of would talk about it was very much that we had to you cannot run a business and show up as the sort of mum the world wants you to be in my opinion Mm -hmm. it's not possible I really do not believe that women can have it all in terms of that idea ideal that most of us don't even want but like you know the nice house food's on the table your kids are clean and dressed and and getting on and polite 
and they're educated and you're working and you're having a lot of sex and you know your legs are shaved yeah and <laughs> I keep going yes. it's just just ridiculous yeah and so I'm not saying we can't have really amazing lives I 100% believe we can but we cannot tick all those societal boxes mm-hmm. and so within that motherhood stuff I was talking a lot about the fact that when we do kind of butt up against those societal norms or um expectations that takes up space Mm -hmm. as in it's confronting like feel it even a woman walking down the street with no makeup on or not caring about certain things is confronting it's a bit like you you kind of people feel shocked to see it Mm -hmm. um and so like alicia keys when she stopped wearing makeup yeah that was a bit like what yeah like and her face looks different compared to other even now yeah um so yeah i think that um yeah, it was that, that taking up space thing just kept coming through. And as I decided that I no longer wanted to work with just mothers because I was keeping out people that I really wanted to work with yeah. um, just because of the motherhood aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I decided that taking up space had been something, um, I talk about finding your space, which is about who you are. I always call that finding your space. And my courses have all got space in there somewhere. Yeah. So that was what made me go with that. And I think it's, I, I really love that concept and I really like um, the work you're doing because you're very right. If I think about myself and the work I'm doing, it definitely steps, stems from work I need and work I could see people in my direct eyeline also mm. um, would benefit from. And yeah. then the whole taking up space piece, I've, I've known for... Sorry, I sneezed excuse me bless you thank you um so something that I know for sure is that me not taking up space in the way that I actually need to as Mm -hmm. well as want to has ended up with that um going uh inward so it's almost like an implosion yes so and that implosion new word you can feel that. Well, I could feel that on a cellular level and it made yeah. me ill. There, yeah. uh, and I'm not, I'm not saying, oh my goodness, I'm about to die. But issues with inflama- inflammation, mm. generally all issues linked to inflammation mm. because I'm taking up so much space within because I'm yeah. not taking up the space that is there for me that I yeah. then burden myself with all of that. And then one of the things that, I've known for some time, but understood in a very visceral way this weekend is that Mm. me not taking up space and taking the space I require, the internal battle or the internal manifestation of that has been judgment. Yeah. On myself, on other people. And what I've known for quite some time is when I'm judging, sorry, it sounds a bit echoey. I'm in a different room to where I usually record. It's half term. Um, So, yeah, I just noticed that. But anyway, um, what I know to be true for myself is that if I'm judging other people, that is like a slight reflection on how I'm judging myself. Yeah. So taking up space is like radical self-care. Yeah. Yeah. And it really means and I would actually say it's a massive reflection of of how you're perceiving like how you perceive other people is a massive 
um, reflection of how you perceive yourself. Mm-hmm. If you look at other people and, and say, like other women particularly, because we tend to, we've been conditioned to judge other women mm-hmm. the most harshly. If we are saying, why is she doing that? Why? So she, why she's made a load of money this month. Why is she talking about that? Who well, does why she are you selling she, so many things? Yeah. You should be grateful. Yeah, exactly. Then what we're saying, we, we create a space that is not safe for us to go into. So then if we want to make a load of money, then well, how are we going to let our, how is our brain going to let us do that when we've already said that people that earn money and talk about it are showing off? So we create all these spaces that, and we just create this really narrow place for us to go into. And actually it's not our place anyway. Exactly. So one of my clients described it like wearing an itchy jumper like when you're not being yourself and it's like this jumper that you're like, Oh God, I just want to get this off. This is not my, like I'm allergic to this wool. And, um, and I love that analogy. I've stolen it from her forever. And I think it, it, she's fits. A it works. She's a genius. It's so it, a lot of the work is starting to not judge other women, um, for what they do and allowing them to do things that we don't understand allowing them to do things that we don't understand huge I'm I'm just um, looking for something but I can't find it there was a quote I had a podcast conversation with um, uh, Susie Ashworth and she said something along the lines of the judgment we have the the judgments we hold for other people are the limitations we create for ourselves and that is so 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 true so now but then it's that that sort of like double punch you judge something then you realize you're judging something so you judge yourself for judging that thing and what I practice now is knowing that I'm going to I'm not quite at the point where there is no judgment and I'm not sure if I'll ever be there but when the judgment occurs and I start judging myself, I immediately say, but what's the lesson? So if mm. I'm looking at somebody and I'm judging them on that particular thing, generally speaking, it's something I'm withholding from myself. Yeah. Yeah. The real moment for me with that, and it's a really kind of small example, and it's kind of a huge example, is that I've had so much stuff with my body, which we talked about when we were away a lot. Mm-hmm. My body my body came up a lot. <laughs> <laughs> But um, I remember walking somewhere and seeing a girl who was probably a size 16 to 18 wearing a crop top. And my head went, what is she doing wearing that? Who does, like, literally, what is she doing? And I caught myself and was like, it's just a body ray. Mm -hmm. Why is it not okay for her to dress that way? Why are you berating her? Because you can see her body. And because her body doesn't fit into this norm. And it was just a real moment of like, oh my God, bodies are just bodies. Like what if bodies were just neutral and there wasn't this thing? But but that has led me to think about like that about so many things. And obviously what I was saying was I could never have a body like that. I would never show my body like that. Mm -hmm. I would never do that. Mm -hmm. But that comes up with everything. Like every single like thing where I say I would never be like... I would never do that. What I'm saying is I'm not that. And I'm trying to separate myself from mm-hmm. other human beings. Mm-hmm. When actually, what, what, how on earth does it affect me? If how somebody- on earth? And that's, a, oh gosh, this weekend with Susie Ashworth. The other thing that it really um, crystallized for me in a very tangible way is that thing that you were doing where you just said separating yourself And Deepak Chopra says this a lot, and I think also Michael Bernard Beckwith, 
there is no separation we are all one and the more we see that this isn't some fluffy i don't see color and all that shit Mm. because we need to see that we need to own it we need to understand why we've decided to differentiate and create a hierarchy based on white supremacy but equally we need to see we need to begin to accept that we are all connected we are all one so when you're separating another human being you're separating yourself and the reason I I I referenced this weekend this weekend there were women that were so different from each other in our physicality and in the sort of tangible things but Mm. on a soul level we were so interconnected it was Mm. unreal and whether it was somebody recognizing I I think a lot of what helped me to realize that was all of us recognizing that our the mode of transport to that de- destination of unlearning and relearning was different but we were mm. all heading to the same destination so whether my expression was very outward and other people's expression was very inward on a soul level we were doing the same work yeah And I think that that is a metaphor for the fact that actually, on a soul level, we're Mm. all doing the same work. Like what Susie said about growth, we are hardwired for growth. Yeah, yeah. Full stop. Yeah. And I feel like this is an unfinished thought, so let's just see how it goes. Mm -hmm. But I feel like that acceptance that what someone else is doing is not a reflection on me, like that that difference is not... (laughs) is nothing to do with me is what allows us to acknowledge things like you were saying about the white supremacy stuff and the race stuff that we can be different Mm -hmm. but it doesn't disconnect us Mm -hmm. it it you know it It does disconnect us because of the conditioning yeah but it, it 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 shouldn't disconnect us and it's but even if we could acknowledge those disconnections yeah that they don't mean that I'm bad and you're good, or yes. you're good and I'm bad. Yes. They're just, they just are. Yes. And the impact on you is one way, and the impact yes. on me is another way. But if we move judgment from it, it's a far safer conversation. There's room to move. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's holding it loosely. Holding it loosely. We've heard that <laughs> somewhere before. We've heard that somewhere before. <laughs> and I think, again, if we hold the notion of difference loosely, yeah. We've got space to explore that difference. I don't know about you, Ray. I do a hell of a lot of learning in my echo chamber, mm. but the real, real learning comes from the uncomfortable, icky places of difference. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, but maybe not the real, real learning, because no. that's like saying the other learning isn't real, but the, the, there has been really big learning in places of difference. Yeah, And by no means am I saying that I'm entertaining conversations with supremacists because I get really pissed off with the news because I feel like the news is normalising extreme views, mm. far-right extreme views, by inviting them to have conversations and take up space in mainstream places in a way that almost legitimises those views. Yeah, um, But I think if it's a case of a... Um, let's use a really really easy example a middle-class white woman that lives in a part of England where she very rarely comes into contact with people not just of other racial backgrounds but also of other um, economic backgrounds I think 
me holding that space loosely and giving her the opportunity to express and listen to what she's saying, not just hear what she's saying, and then have a conversation with her about it, rather than, there's Google, you should know better. I think in that place, holding the space loosely creates a dialogue for Mm -hmm. both of us to enter into with some kind of um, understanding that we're not all the same, but unless we have these difficult conversations that are steeped in difference, we're not going to move the conversation forward. Yeah, I think approaching it with empathy is really helpful. I I used to be um, a breastfeeding counsellor and I read a book called The Politics of Breastfeeding and it's all about um, the way that formula companies have... Um, and I'm aware this is Ray, a motive sorry. Subject. Can you just hold that? The bloody yeah. doorbell's rung. Hold on. Sorry, you were saying that you were a lactation consultant. <laughs> breastfeeding counsellor. There we go, so, yeah, same thing. I no, was, um, <laughs> so yeah, I used to be a breastfeeding counsellor and there's a book called The Politics of Breastfeeding and it's all about the um, the way that the formula companies have advertised to women um, and the kind of really underhand tactics they use, especially out of this country. Mm-hmm. And um, without getting into the literally the politics of breastfeeding, yeah. Um, it really opened up my eyes where I would have perhaps previously been judgmental about, you know, women's access to the information or how much women had tried or all of those different things that come up in that conversation. I was able to sort of understand that it was beyond, it was beyond us. Mm -hmm. And it was a real feminist um, and a very intersectional Mm -hmm. issue. Mm -hmm. And so (laughs) Tammy's eyes are like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So that gave me empathy like that knowledge of that gave me more empathy in that situation. And it meant that when I would speak to people, I had, I was armed with facts and, and it sounds odd to say, but almost love to their situation. Cause yeah. I understood that it wasn't a, like, and I know this cause I struggled with it, but just wasn't just popping a baby on a boob and it works. Yeah. We know that's not how it works, yeah. but, um, but it, that it was more layered than I had realized. Mm-hmm. And I think having those conversations if we're really listening, we build those layers and we see like rather than our black and white ways of seeing stuff. And that's my default is black yeah. and white. Yeah. Like I, as I get older, the older I get, the more gray everything becomes mm-hmm. and the more layered it is. See, I love and gray. I love it's, gray. Yeah. It's, yeah. But it's just like everywhere. And I think that is one of the problems with Instagram particularly. And I know me and you are, that's our uh, social media of choice. Yes. Um, but I think that it doesn't really lend itself to those deeper conversations. Mm-hmm. It is very, here's a quote, here's this, here's that. Mm-hmm. And that's something I spoke on my podcast recently when it comes to taking up space, when you've just got these like ex- these like sentences, these like memes that are like, just be yourself. Yeah. Just do it. They it's like my head in. Yeah. It's Which just is why perfect. I always end up writing a blog post for a caption because I can't just yeah. chuck on a quote and go. Me too. Me too. Yeah. And it's just so, it's just for me being myself is complicated. It's not easy. No. Um, no. And you know I don't look like coaches are meant to look. 
um, and I'm white, so I look more like (laughs) they're meant to look in inverted commas, but I'm not skinny, I'm not shiny, my clothes are not the way that they, we were talking about the The caftans, Caftans. Um, which are nice, no, I have, I actually, yeah, I love a caftan, me, (laughs) (laughs) but that's not necessarily what I look like, so yeah, I can't remember why I was saying that now, but it is hard, well, just showing up as yourself is not like, click your fingers there Mm -hmm. it is like Mm -mm. it's just not how it works well Ray that that segues nicely into something I was going to come to slightly later but we're just going to go there now um, because we've had conversations about intersectionality in coaching Mm -hmm. Um, we have talked about all sorts of stuff to do with uh, racial inequality and you know what the wellness self-help personal development industry seems to peddle out because again the reality is that we live in a world that is framed by white supremacy mm-hmm. so you've taken real responsibility for the space you take up how you take up that space how you invite your people into the space you've created and how you invite them to take up space themselves um so, so what is your dream in terms of taking up space in, let's call it the intersectional coaching arena? And uh, just that bit first, because th- this is like, we, we've been away eating, veg- eating vegan food and I've slapped Ray with like a 10 ounce steak of a question. But yeah, like we've had lots of conversations about this. Yeah. So I kind of know, but for my listeners, I'd love to know, like, what is your dream in terms of intersectionality in coaching, personal development and all that jazz? <laughs> well, well, in, in just three words, <laughs> um, <laughs> I, the first thing is that it just exists. I think it does exist. Mm-hmm. There are definitely a number of coaches. In fact, I'm doing some training with a coaching, um, I don't know what you call it, training body that mm-hmm. has a whole Facebook group that I just discovered this morning dedicated to talking about this within coaching. Mm-hmm. So it definitely exists and it is being discussed. But because like, Tammy sent me this question earlier and I was like, because it was so meaty and I was like, yeah. whoa, okay, <laughs> I need to write some thoughts down. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the issues is that it can sometimes feel not positive enough for the coaching world mm-hmm. and pos- simple positivity sells. Yes. I think that's why we see so many like one, two, three, and you've got a million pounds yeah. kind of things going Three-step around. Three-step program. Yeah, exactly. And and again, one of my big issues with that is they don't allow people to show up as who they are. Mm-hmm. They presume, and there are lots of people that do fit into those categories, but there are way more that don't. Mm-hmm. Um, and those voices those one, two, three step or very simplistic ways of doing things are loud. They're the ones with the Facebook ads and that's where it can feel very like, um, like it can feel a bit like you've been washed with all of these, these certain looking and speaking coaches. Mm -hmm. So I think the main thing for me is that a, it's something that people are digging into and asking the questions. Um, because without it, I've put, what did I write down? Without being intersectional, the results won't be there. So 
And that's a big part of coaching. Like we have to be honest, like a big part of it is the results and the results vary massively. Yeah. But unless you consider who people are, yeah. and that's what I'm talking about, being yourself, we cannot talk about that without taking into account the color of your skin, yeah. whether or not you've got a disability or yeah. a chronic illness, yeah. or if you are LGBTQI, mm-hmm. or if you are, um, I'm trying to think of other, if you're a woman of size, mm-hmm. like there are, and I'm, I know I'm missing things. Even but, you know, if I think about if uh, people that um, are attracted to me, if I spoke differently, there would be presumptions galore. Yes. And that even happens. So when I talk about my love of problematic hip hop, people are almost like, well, blow me down with a feather. But that doesn't define me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and but it is part of you. Yeah. Like, and, and unless if we are asking people to silence parts of themselves whilst, and I really believe that your best chance of making a go of the business that you want your best chance of making the money that you want to make is by showing up as yourself Mm -hmm. and by peeling off the shoulds Mm -hmm. and the shoulds in um the intersections of feminism and beyond feminism Mm -hmm. are far louder than outside of it far louder hello (laughs) so i just i just think i cannot show up as a coach who talks about people being themselves and ignore that stuff. Mm-hmm. It would and be dishonest. It would be and dishonest. And I love what you said about, you know, making the money you want to make. This is a very service-based industry and people generally are coaches because they want to work with people. They want to support people to make transformations and changes and all of that kind of stuff. But the conversation that I want to hear more of is the women of color whether they are of an asian background african background whatever who that initial post makes them feel anxious because they wonder about being judged because they are women or people of color or the the moment people find out that they are gay or trans or when they're talking about wellness and then they're going to get judgments because they are of size and people we've been taught to believe that you cannot be well and a a larger frame of person um so I think that that is really 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 important and even within that like you know I'm just going to touch on this because it's so big but we've even had conversations about the discrimination that occurs within people of color because we too have we too we have totally and we're stripping away from that ingested white supremacy just like Mm -hmm. everybody else so for me like I I do not embrace the title woman of color I'm a black woman Mm -hmm. um number one because I'm black like I'm culturally black West African Sierra Leonean ethnic group even um and then on top of that my own experience has been that I have experienced just as much if not more overt discrimination from non-black people of color mm. so there are layers upon layers upon layers mm. um so let's go to the second part of my question what is the one action and i know there are loads but if you could just pinpoint one action what is an action you think coaches should take to try and make their coaching reflect the world 
rather than their world. So I did have a few more than one. <laughs> That's okay. Come on, roll them out. What I would say, the what if I was going to say one action, yeah, is listen. Just listen to people. Like and and then I would very quickly say and believe them. So not even a finger snap. <laughs> that those two things because I can't really pull them apart because mm-hmm. we can listen and go no 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 <gasps> I'm, I'm I'm reticent to mention it but there was something on uh used to be the right stuff the jeremy vine thing mm-hmm. with i can't remember her name but a scottish uh, oh, model yeah i know who you're talking about was Eugene the most uncomfortable something. tv i've possibly ever watched in my whole life i couldn't actually this is probably white fragility and i'm sorry but it will i couldn't watch it because to see another human speak so what happened was that this um this lady who's i really i didn't know her before i'm gonna put a link in because i know exactly who you're talking yeah. about um, and she had to hear her talk about her experience and just have a white woman speak over her like that. It made me want to be sick. Like it was just because she wasn't listening and she wasn't believing all mm-hmm. at once. But I think that sometimes I'll say that again because my things just pinged. I think that sometimes we can be like, yeah, I'm listening. I'm listening. I'm listening. But we're not believing. Mm-hmm. And we have to presume that and I'm speaking on behalf of white people or as a white person that and this sounds ridiculous I can't believe I have to say it out loud that people who have a different experience to us know that experience better than we do and exhale <laughs> it just as I say I'm like really am I needing to say this out loud but, but I know sh- I do the, um and I know that of it all is you do yeah and it, it might make it sound like oh I always do it the right way and I don't mm-hmm. at all this has been an uncomfortable thing for me to unpack and I am still massively unpacking it mm-hmm. even you mentioning the intersectional stuff I was like oh god oh my goodness <laughs> like, that. Um, and, I do, and I've been like do you know what I want to claim that yeah. I do because yeah. I do think it's important but there's this feeling in me that if I say intersectional in my work I have to understand yeah all of that but I don't think that's actually possible. I don't think it's possible, number one. Number two, so I've read bits and pieces about um, intersectionality. I bookmark everything that Kimberly Crenshaw writes. I don't quite get round to reading it. She is the person that coined the term intersectionality. Mm-hmm. And part of it is because I think to myself, um, and, 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 you know, I'm just speaking for me, I am intersectionality. I don't have to take it on. I don't have to take it on board. I'm at the intersection of a number of things. Yeah. So I think it's... I I know that we live in a time of huge call-out culture. People expect people to know something in an instant, even if they only learnt it last week. But the magic for me in this conversation, in the conversation you're having and in what's unfolding is that... I think that we need to create more and more space for people that have an outlook like you do to have Mm. the space to learn in action, sometimes make mistakes, but continue to learn. Because the truth is, Ray, if I want to speak to a woman about how her, for example, white fragility impacts me, Mm. she will, a white woman from my experience so far a white woman will be open to receiving that from you a lot 
faster and in a way that is a lot more open than from me equally from the conversations I've had with people that know me well enough to have the space to ask a question that may to some degree appear to be controversial they can ask you a question and just ask you the question without thinking oh my goodness is this person is this a racist question am I going to become a bad person Mm -hmm. that bad person guilt kind of thing can be packed off to one side yeah and they can explore that with you and then maybe have a bit more depth to feel more confident in having a deeper wider conversation yeah, and I think it's the guilt why... that prevents a lot of people from going to where they really want to go with this conversation. Yeah, it's just it's fear. Mm-hmm. It's scary mm-hmm. because we've been brought up to like racism was the worst. That for, and I think actually it's why it's a very different difficult conversation for left wing liberal people, particularly because racism is the last thing we want to be doing, and to realise you've been doing it all the time. It's like, oh god, it's, it's horrible. Yeah, and especially, and like, I I understand the term white supremacy, but that was a tricky word at first because people think of the KKK straight away. Straight away, they're like, but I'm not, I'm not a white supremacist, mm-hmm. and obviously, white supremacist and white supremacy are separate yeah. things. But yeah. when you first hear it, it's very emotive. Mm. And, and um, you know that they're, they're branches of the same tree, but for me white supremacy has impacted me more than any white supremacist because white supremacy is the system in which we live that governs absolutely like I can experience white supremacy without leaving my front door so that there's a big difference but I'm really sorry Ray we have to um I was late guys so my time (laughs) with Ray is limited so I need to get off at two I'm fine till two. I have nothing to do. I just go straight on to a call. Okay. I didn't want you to be like, I'm all in activism, white supremacy zone, so I can't. But still, we're going to go. We're going to move into something else. Um, with regard to taking up space, yeah. what is the lesson that has taken you the longest to understand and put into practice uh, all of it. Um, <laughs> I think just that. I think, and I was going to, so this actually might be relevant. I was going to say something before we stopped on the white supremacy stuff. One of the things that helps me understand um, or appreciate is probably a better word, um, that kind of side of the white supremacy. Because obviously I can never understand it, mm-hmm. but I can understand what it's like to live under a patriarchal society. Mm-hmm. And I can experience patriarchy before leaving my house. In fact, yeah. As a mother, I experience it. In fact, all of us as women in houses, houses are incredibly patriarchal yeah. and oppressive yeah. um, in lots of ways. Like all the housework, all of the mental load, all of that stuff. And I think for me, and that's obviously the system of oppression that I operate under that, um, that affects me the most, um, how far that extends. Mm-hmm. So how often I am not showing up in certain ways and it's because I'm a woman mm-hmm. like that's the thing that and then being a mum on top of that yeah a mum I'm not you know I'm a size 16 now I'm not you know I don't fit into certain boxes of things I know I'm not saying that by any means I'm like massively intersectional at all I'm yeah, not yeah. um listen but... we're not playing oppression olympics we're <laughs> just speaking from our own experience <laughs> but you know I I realize that it's even more complicated for lots yeah. of 
But I think it's really useful to know that a blonde, skinny, white woman is feeling the effects of the patriarchy enormously. And so then if you layer on a load of other stuff, it's just becomes bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And then you have supremacy and it gets more and more and more. So I think that's the thing that is taking me the longest to learn how often I come back and I go, shit. I'm still, that's mm-hmm. that again, mm-hmm. that's still, like I, when we were on the retreat, like I mentioned earlier, the body stuff came up a lot and I was chatting to uh, one of the people who's facilitating it, Laura, and I was like, I was like, I'm just annoyed. I'm annoyed that this is about my body. Yeah. Can you hear that noise? Yeah, but that's okay. Cause I've had all, all, all manner of noises it's that you probably hear faintly. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'm just annoyed. I'm annoyed that my weight, my boobs growing when I was younger and it being such a big discussion, like having big boobs, mm-hmm. um, I was a 36 double D age 10, Whoa. which is not okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was, I was just like, I'm just angry about it. I yeah. don't want to be upset about yeah. this. I don't want that to have any impact on my life. And I talk a lot about, you know, those things. Mm-hmm. In my work, mm-hmm. whether it's with one-to-one clients or in the live videos I do or in my e-courses, it's mentioned quite a lot. I talk a lot about uh, feminist stuff, privilege. I talk about white supremacy. I talk about all those things. But it's just fucking annoying. Mm. It, it really like, is. Yeah. And you know what is really um, interesting about that conversation Um Ray and I love food and conversations about food. We had a number of conversations about food whilst we were away at this retreat. And I found myself falling into that patriarchal shizzle. When you would talk about your husband, the food he makes, how he likes to prepare food, it was almost like, oh my God, yeah, come on. Yeah, Ray's husband is the best. Because I've been colonized into this patriarchal way of thinking that Mm. when food and food preparation falls into the domain of men it's this extra super special thing oh my god Ray's husband does the cooking like yeah what the but the back end of that is that I'm extra extra specially bad for not doing it I know that's not what you're saying but like as a woman who can't literally can't cook, I've been de-skilled yeah. by him. Yeah. Like I can't cook. So what does that mean? Like and and I I have to talk a lot. There's a lot of talk in the coaching industry about women retiring their partners or their husbands. Yeah. So like working, um, and that's what I've done. Yeah. Not really on purpose. Mine's a more complicated story than that. <laughs> Ray, <laughs> pause. I One moment. Can we have work. a moment of silence? Did you hear what Ray just said? She's retired her husband. <laughs> He is and, now, and now part of the Ray Dodd empire. <laughs> yeah, he's coming into the business now. So I When am... people talk about boss moves, hello. So how on earth can you have any, I don't know if shame is the word, about being de-skilled in cooking? You've been upskilled in making the motherfucking money. I know, but that's not very feminine. Have you seen like, yourself, Ray? with it. But in society, so I still get a lot of like, Phil gets a lot of comments that are things like, you know, also like, are you just playing housewife now? A lot of the time. Like, what are you doing with your time? What are you doing with your time now? Or, um, you know, and there's a thing of this idea of like, you know, that it's a joke for a lot of people that he would do that. And I do get wound up. When, like, I think it's totally fine if you want to retire your husband. I'm fine with that, obviously. Like, that's what I did. Mm-hmm. But also, I think hmm. it's okay if men want to do that again. for their... <laughs> but if men want to do it for their wives, 
we have to look at that. And, and there are some issues around that in terms of giving your power to men and mm-hmm, all of those mm-hmm. sorts of things. And I've been in that situation, mm-hmm. which some people will know that story. It's long. Mm-hmm. I'll go into it another time. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it's totally coming me, back. I feel like it's bad feminism if we're not going to allow women to be the ones that stay at home and love cooking. Because exactly that is it. What is feminism about? Feminism is about women having equal place within society. That also means making choices. You are yeah. no less valid whether you decide to be um, at home raising your children or if you decide that you're going to go off and start a multi-billion pound empire. One doesn't take away from the other. And if your feminism says that I am not a feminist because I choose to stay at home and... Yeah you know somebody else is the breadwinner or whatever it stinks it's not feminism like I'll talk a lot about I find motherhood I love my kids but the motherhood I imagined I would exist in doesn't exist for me Mm -hmm. but I want there to be a space where women can say I love being a mum I love it and people don't go do you she can't really can she exactly or she hasn't got anything better going on right oh shit how can she have her life so small yeah like, don't yes. do all of yes. those things. Yes. Like, not, no, yes. I'm not here for that at all. Yeah. And and vice versa. Because to me, that's just the other side of saying, mm-hmm. how can her life mm-hmm. be? How can she mm-hmm. run that business? Mm-hmm. How can she, mm-hmm. why doesn't she cook? All, and it just becomes this same stick that we're mm-hmm. batting ourselves mm-hmm. with in just different ways. Mm-hmm. And a number of us, a number of us have chosen this path because we want we want we want to have big income impact. We want to have big incomes, and we want to be present and around for our children. Yeah. So there's there are a lot of mums who have gone into business because they wanted to create something where they're able to. And it's not balance. It does mean that perhaps your part of your day stops at two o'clock, so you can go off and do the school run. And when you put them back to when you put them to bed, you might do a couple of hours or whatever. But it's to give us that flexibility. And for me, yeah. feminism is that flexibility yeah but we have to reimagine the whole system i yeah. think yeah. and i think the problem we fall into and everybody does this because we're all so conditioned in all the different ways that this can show up whether it's white supremacy or the patriarchy or other things yeah. or capitalism yeah is that we we fall into those traps and actually the the really tricky the trick maybe mm. is a better way of putting it is to reimagine it completely yes rather than reenact it right and yeah. it's just so easy to do that either way yeah um but yeah and it is hard to um and i don't need to tell you this but to show up where there aren't examples like oh, that gosh that's yeah awesome. it is it is because you're making it up as you go along yeah um speaking about uh making it up as you go along and whatnot um We've had conversations. We've both got big dreams, big attainable, attainable dreams uh, for our work. Um, However, sometimes habits can be our biggest obstacles, Mm -hmm. Um, namely becoming stuck in procrastination. And (laughs) 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 so when procrastination strikes, what are the strategies you use to get back into action and you know hopefully that action leads to that magical place called flow so I think that procrastination generally is a manifestation of a lack of self-belief or fear Ooh, I know my chest <laughs> <laughs> just drop it 
I know when I'm scrolling on Facebook and I today I uh, put in a blocker for my Facebook feed, which was very easy. Um, But I know that when I'm doing that, I'm not showing up in my business like it's a real business because it scares me silly how big it could be. Like, really, honestly, it just makes me the idea that I could be that person, you know, five foot two, size 16 Ray could could still do that. Mm -hmm. Makes me like, (laughs) yes. And so I scroll. Yes. And I know that that it's like we can think that it's just a time management issue. I personally think if you're procrastinating, you it's it's probably down to fear. Yes. Or a lack of self-belief or a lack of lazy. It's not laziness. Yeah. No, it's not yeah. lazy. I had a huge laziness story around it all. Um, and it's one that I don't, I doubt I've put it to bed, but, you know, I've really unpicked mm-hmm. recently. You're not lazy, Ray. You stick at stuff doggedly. Yes. But it, it just scares you. Yeah. It's taking it from that inspiration. You do the action, but are you doing the action in this grandest and I don't mean grandest in a way where you are feeling spent but are you actually consistently taking carrying out those actions that you know will lead to the next one that you will then you know snowball yeah um so So that doesn't answer your question though does it so what I would do is I do a really small thing yeah oh yeah I just do something yeah um, yeah. cause I think often it's also rooted in scarcity where we think like, Oh, there isn't enough for me. Mm-hmm. So I will try and do an action that counteracts scarcity mm-hmm. in my head. So if mm-hmm. my thing is like, Oh, I'm never going to put those clients. I'll reach out to a number of clients, like potential clients. Like I'll actually take that. Yeah. Like the opposite to scarcity. And it yeah. freaks me out when I do it. And I have to go for a walk yes. and do a breathing, yes. but it does shift that scarcity brain brain out the way because then you drop down into your body don't you with the, yeah. with the movement yeah yeah the fear <laughs> oh. yes um the facebook feed blocker what on earth is that called where can we get this i don't know thing? i just googled facebook i think you have to be in chrome to do it okay facebook oh i don't even use it on my computer really it's on my oh, damn phone yeah oh yeah there we go they used to have a groups app, but they deleted it, I think, because they knew we weren't seeing adverts and stuff and people ah. weren't going to feed. The groups app was amazing. But yeah, I basically just um, on my laptop. So I'm taking my phone is not in this in my office with me. And then I've blocked it on my laptop. So could you give us then like another? So the first one you've talked about is um, doing something small um that counteracts the lack mentality mm-hmm. and then going for a walk to kind of like get that you know energy moving yeah. Um, yeah. could you share any more tips for get i know that you did a was it a live or a I, igtv unstuck yeah unstuck i actually find i think one of the things i mentioned in there i find having a sort of your physical surroundings really helpful when i find my myself my most stuck i've often got a load of crap around oh my me. gosh yes and having a good declutter yeah i guess because you're moving energy around like opening a window having a declutter i often do a lot of thinking while i do that yeah and that really helps me as well yeah and um, the other thing i would say is also just asking for help speaking to somebody even if you just go I can't stop procrastinating yeah and you somebody that you know and obviously I'm talking to someone who's like surrounded by coaches <laughs> so they're likely to say why do you think that is Ray yeah What's yeah. A deep yeah. yeah but even so like to have somebody who can do that for you um and if you don't have somebody like that get yourself in a Facebook group ask somebody on yes. Instagram 
put a post yes. one of the things that I love is the fact on Instagram you can say something you get the flood of messages going oh my god me too yeah, yeah. and it just makes you go ah oh, I'm not because that's one of the biggest things in all of this stuff is that we feel like it's only us which creates disconnection which makes us feel inhuman and so to to, to work on just connecting with people also often helps that yes movement. yes yes and I really do believe that we are moving into a phase where we are like I refer to um Instagram as my face as my friendship bench if you are using Instagram as an enhancing tool rather than a comparison shaming all of that kind of mm. tool, you can because like literally, um, I met my um, accountability buddy co mentor uh, Maria, uh, mm. the team coach. She mm. reached out to me on Instagram yeah. and asked if I'd like to co-mentor. And I thought, I don't know what that is, but I definitely do know that I've been asking the universe for help. And yeah. then she showed up in my, my box and that's really helped me to frame things. So I think it's also about trusting that there are some really good eggs out there that yeah. are, will definitely give you the support you need if you can put your ego in a bit of a box and ask for that help. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And taking uh, that help when it's yes. offered. Oh, gosh, taking that help when it's offered. And then conversely, this weekend retreat with Susie, one of the other things it taught me is um, that there's time for taking help and there's time for just standing by and minding mm-hmm. your own business and giving yourself what you need. Because when you give people from your overflow, that is yeah. so much more powerful than... yeah you know emptying out your resources yeah um i'm going to ask you very quickly um since embarking on your role as a taking up space mentor and coach what habit has most improved your life um journaling Mm. without a doubt Mm -hmm. i actually my um stepmom is a business consultant and she just trained in this going to sound like I'm showing off but I'm just going to go with it okay. um she's trained in this uh, emotional intelligence uh program and it starts off with a questionnaire my stepmom's really competitive and um so she'd done it herself and then she she had to test it as part of her training so she did it on me <laughs> I got I got 10 out of 10 hello I know but it was really interesting because she was and she's really competitive she was like well uh turns out <laughs> you've got 10 out of 10 <laughs> I was like, oh, really? What did you get? She's like, no, it doesn't matter. And so, but what was interesting, like, is that I wouldn't have got that two, three years ago. All of it was the way that I journal. Yes. So it was about catching your thoughts. It was about reframing things. It was about not being overwhelmed by things, not having things. and, And it was all journaling. Yeah. So um, it was like as much as I got 10 out of 10, the reason I feel like I can say that without being like, so I'm just so emotionally intelligent. Yeah. Is that because I it was learned. Yeah. I think yeah. I am naturally quite emotionally intelligent anyway, mm-hmm. but I think I would have been like a seven. Yeah. I don't think I'd have been I I'm not sure how many people would be a ten without that work. So yeah, it's so journaling fall out of the habit of doing frequently. Yeah. But when I do it, it just crystallizes my thoughts and helps me to kind of know who I am so much Call more clearly. Yourself out on the nonsense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I love it too. It's quite easier to see who you are mm-hmm. rather than who you should be when you see it written on a page and go, Ooh. why would I think? Yes, yes. That's, yeah. Uh, before we draw, draw to a close, um, 
what could, could you recommend a personal development book um, that you think will assist people in taking up space? So I almost don't want to say this because I say it so much, but I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah. I really like Playing Big by Tara Moore. I knew it was going to be Tara Moore or Elizabeth Gilbert. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love Playing Big. Um, I think she's had a, had children since she wrote it. So I think there are some intersections there that could be, there might be a note on motherhood at the end now mm-hmm. of it. Um, but yeah, she, um, that's a whole other topic though. The fact mm-hmm. that. Yeah, but very few books actually consider a lot of this, like the intersectional stuff. But yeah, Tara Moore is really good for women to unpack um, why they're playing small. Yes, thank you. And then, lastly, lastly, could you please um, let people know where they can find you if you have anything coming up, money course. Um, <laughs> if you have anything coming up that people can book on to. Yes. So I'm Ray underscore Dodd on Instagram, I'm yeah. pretty sure. I have a Facebook group called Finding Your Space in Business and Beyond, yeah. which I always think sounds like Toy Story, but that's what it's called. Um, and then, yeah, I'm, I should be, I don't know when you're putting this out, but probably quite soon there'll be a money course coming up, um, which is a, which is called The Magic of Recognising Your Worth. Mm-hmm. I think it's what it's called. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so that, and that will be all happening. So there'll definitely be, there'll be a lot of free content around that and then the launch of the course quite soon okay um, so right. yeah my website is raydod.co.uk that's got everything on it everything i will make sure that i add links in the show notes and i guess because you've got something that's coming up it would probably be wise for people who have an interest to join your mailing list yeah yeah yeah, yeah absolutely yeah Oh, lovely Ray. This has been <laughs> such a beautiful chat. Thank you so much for your time. You're welcome. And uh, yeah, I will, I will see you over on Instagram. Yes. Um, where everybody else can see you at Ray underscore Dodd, D-O-double-D. D-O-double-D. Brilliant. Thank you so much, my darling. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening to 360 Conversations. I appreciate you sharing your precious time with my guest and I. I hope you found the episode useful. I'd be so grateful if you could rate and review my podcast like an increasing number of our digital experiences the algorithms rule. Your feedback will assist me reaching a wider audience and I'd really love to have more women being privy to or joining these conversations. The feedback I get following each episode is beautiful and tells me more women could benefit. As always, I'd love to keep the conversation going. You can join me by commenting on the podcast show notes on my website or via social media at Live360. I hope to engage with you soon. Podcast produced by me, Tammy Thomas. Podcast music produced by James Anderson. Take care.